0: Hi everybody and welcome back to yet another cracking edition of the Map Round Show. This is the Secrets of Fail series where we're talking to entrepreneurs and CEOs all about their epic business blunders and with me in the hot seat today is none other than uh, the man, the legend, Andrew Peterson, (laughs) the CEO of Bluefin Data. Andrew, welcome to the show.
1: It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah,
0: man, it's great, dude. So uh, you know the format. So uh, let's get on with uh, the meat and the potatoes this one. What is the elevator pitch? What are you up to there at uh, Bluefin Data?
1: So We are collecting data on the oceans and the wildlife within them. And we are using that data and providing it to scientists so that they can better make decisions or make better decisions about the economics and the sustainability of the environment. And so we are essentially that that bridge between industry members such as fishermen, seafood dealers, and fishery managers and environmentalists.
0: Hmm. How did this business come about?
1: Uh, So it fell in my lap, actually. Um, I was a professional poker player back in 2010. Hmm. And um, I was looking around for a different uh, career path and looked at my father and said, hey, what do you do again in the seafood industry and something (laughs) related to technology? And, (laughs) And so I started just kind of learning the business domain, answering customer support calls and And then I became a programmer and really that dovetailed into becoming more of the business development and then eventually CEO. So that's I got into it and I absolutely love it. Um, I, I was I was fishing or at least I used to fish growing up, but I really fell in love with the oceans whenever I started doing it as a career. Mm-hmm.
0: yep uh, well it's a it's a mission driven problem that you're trying to solve dude i mean figuring out how many fishes in the oceans like it's an impossible task right but having insights at all into that is actually really important for sustainable food provision or at least uh seafood and stuff and there's all this talk i've been hearing for years about like the depletion of fish in the oceans you know and there's economies around this and businesses and people and families and livelihoods so i think you're you're doing a worthy thing so you know, keep at it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's exciting because we get to apply some of the technology that's coming out that really a lot of the the seafood and fishing industry as a whole doesn't really use. And so we get to kind of be the ones to bring this like new tool or this new solution to some, to a problem that's existed for years. So it, it is really satisfying.
0: Awesome, brother. Well, look, let's get into the the meat of this episode. Uh, what is your epic story of fail today?
1: So I've I've failed with growth because I didn't actually find, or I wasn't the founder of the company. I've I've essentially taken something that a it has a market product fit, but the growth problem has always been a problem, uh, or at least something that I have struggled with. And really, my my big first struggle was finding the right people. Our team, and that was me. That was totally my fault. So we grew to about five uh, employees, and then one day it, it sort of hit me that I needed to hi- fire everybody. So we essentially hit restart on the company, and I started back from scratch. And looking back on it, really, it wasn't anybody that I had hired. It was all it was my fault for the lack of guidance on on what needs to be done, how it needs to be to be done. And kind of setting what the expectations were is really where I failed, and so um, after we pushed restart, I was able to take take a lot of the, I guess the the heartburn and the challenge, or I guess the pain from that experience of letting everybody go, to really start focusing on what I wanted whenever I was going to hire again. And so now the benefits I've reaped from that is I can, I can unplug from the business for two weeks and, and things work. I come back and maybe there's like one or two things that, um, that need my attention to, but really I've created kind of this late living organism that can kind of develop itself and, and run without, without too much input. Now there are still aspects of the company that, uh, depend on me so like more of the business development side now depends on me so if i do disappear for a couple of weeks we don't get much progress there but i've used that as kind of the the standard or the structure that any future growth that we have going forward um i, I can kind of use that so it, it's it's definitely been a learning lesson and, and a lot of pain but um that's good
0: Mm -hmm. so um what did uh, this experience teach you i'm curious to understand like what was the spark that when you said you woke up one morning and i was like hey i actually need to get rid of everybody and rebuild this thing like why was that Uh, and what did that process of rebuilding
1: teach you so i think it was uh whenever i realized that i had to redo so much work whenever i would delegate something out i would just say hey do this um I, I would get whatever that end result was and just not be ha- not be satisfied and not feel like it was up to my standards, and then I would just have to re- recreate it. And another thing I noticed is whenever the employees started doing things that weren't necessarily part of their role or their task, and I like surfing social media just like, I, am am I doing something wrong or are they bored or are they in the wrong profession? And so those sorts of signs of like a quality wasn't there, but then. Also, the the focus or the passion from those that worked with me wasn't there. So, I think that's really what, what woke me up to, hey, there there's a problem.
0: Mm-hmm. So, if you could get into the Matt Brown show, Time Machine, and kind of go back in time and do things differently, what would you do differently, if anything, and, and why, Andrew?
1: I, I would do a lot more preparation when it comes to hiring. And so documenting, documenting out exactly what your expectations are, what, what the standards are. And in a way that, that helps AU internally, but it also helps the people that are coming on board because they have clarity into what you're thinking and, and to have an actual physically written down somewhere typically is better than just verbally um, mentioning it just because you can miss so much whenever it's just verbal and whenever you have something that you can kind of read and sit down and and really consume i feel like that's better than just a 30 minute or an hour interview and you try and get every fit everything in within that hour yeah so definitely write, writing down and having it available to whoever you might be interviewing
0: yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing because I find we don't do it, right? We just don't actually start to document how we actually deliver something from A to B. And uh, so it's sitting in a lot of our, uh, our minds, right? So it's part of the process sitting in this person, another one sitting in that one. And so when you hire, and especially if you start scaling quickly, that becomes a real headache, right? So it's like, well, how do I do yep. my job? <laughs> it's like, I don't know. You got to talk to Joe and then, you know, Simon and Susan, and then you must figure it out, you know, and it's a typical startup, uh, stage, isn't it? So like, you know, up to 15 people. Um, and we don't, uh, you know, we don't take the time to invest in something that doesn't feel like it's a worthwhile initiative, but as you said, it's a necessi- it's a necessity in order to start that scaling process, so you go from fifteen to, to fifty, you know, like there's a lot of processes, a lot of systems that have to be involved, and everybody needs to be singing off the same hymn sheet right? It can't be like mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it, I have to go have five meetings just to do one job,
1: you know yeah, yeah, and I actually find it helps me better solidify what I want. And so it's just like we talk about mission statement. We talk about all these these like quick phrases that we want to out off when somebody asks us. And a lot of times if if I haven't sat down to actually think about it, it's like it it changes every time. And it's just like it's this variation. And to me, it's like uh, I, I don't I can't really say I've thought something through until I've actually written it down. Um, yeah. And it's almost like at times I'm, I'm writing so that I can think instead of the other way around. It's just like actually documenting it down is really what solidifies it in my mind. Yeah.
0: One of the hardest things i found to, to do this job, like there's, this other like HR there's, you know, performance management, there's maybe, you know, product or tech technology development process. Like that stuff's actually relatively easy to document once and then keep it really, you know, pretty much the same. Um, But the one piece that I've found in this particular context of documenting SOPs and, and stuff like that is sales. So, if you're in a services business, uh, it's the sales piece is always changing because you're always trying to increase prices or you're trying to change the value proposition, trying to, you know, create revenue faster. Um, you're moving into different industries or if you're talking to a different decision maker, then everything changes. So, it's kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you're up to like 50 people. When you're at 300, then things tend to, you know, be a little bit more stable. But up to about 50 people, like that one piece, it's like… Like if I document it today and I do a screen, I'd listen here, this is how you <laughs> you sell this thing to this customer. Like literally the next day I have to redo it because it's changing so fast and you're introducing new products. And now it's like, oh, but now you've got to change the whole sales process, you know, and and I've just found I found that particular piece like super frustrating.
1: Yeah. And that's funny you mentioned that because that's some of the processes that I'm documenting. Yeah, yeah um, just because I've, I've always kind of <laughs> known it. But yeah, it's it's uh, you're right, though, as I start thinking about like the directions that we're going to go, I can see how the customers are going to vary. Um, the market, the strategy is all going to vary.
0: Yeah, it's, and it's product and services. I think more services than product, you know, because like products, unless you have like a complete user interface update, it's kind of like you can get away with a lot of the training, you know, and the in, internal mm-hmm. stuff. But, uh, but the services stuff, because it's services and there's lots of moving parts and like there's, cal- you know, cost calculators and profit margins. And, you know, it's like, it's actually quite complex. Um, and I found that, you know, so good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Andrew, what's your advice to, um, you know, CEOs and entrepreneurs out there in terms of the importance of failing in business success?
1: Oh, I think it's, uh, for those that have children, would re- it, at least for me, I have I have a, I have a doll- daughter that is about to be four. It's always been a, it's such a, challenge but also such a joy and i feel like business is very similar to where the failure is critical and that, that's the challenge that's the hard part it's the like the part where you're tensing every muscle in your body um and just kind of closing your eyes and hoping that it ends but then on the other side is the pure joy and like whenever my whenever my daughter's like sweet and kind it's just like it it's almost like you forget about that that challenge or that failure that you had and it's just like pure Bliss or pure joy. And I've I I don't think I would want it any other way to where you you like didn't have either. Like I almost feel like it, it's kind of critical to have one have the failure in order to have the blissful, joyful moments. And so at least for me, as I've gone through. The various failures or challenges in life, I've always felt that essentially that is the price that you have to pay for the blissful, joyful moments. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I I i look at it as it's it's essential to have the failure in order to have the joy. Yeah,
0: you can't have the yin without the yang, dude. You know yep. what I'm saying? You can't have the white with no black. Like it doesn't matter. Like even if you have like. Even when you get out of the survival stage and you hit like 300 people, like it's a different type of pain. You know what I'm saying? It's still pain. You know right. what I mean? Like okay, cool, you've you've got You got a Ferrari, but you're still dealing with a massive, you know, thing that if you don't, if you mismanage it, especially financially, it just you know impounds at speed.
1: <laughs> like it's like,
0: yeah. you know what I mean? Like now you're responsible for 300 people, not just your own, and so, it, you know, you well, can never get away.
1: Yeah, I imagine it's a different joy too. Yeah, So it's yeah, Just too. like it's. It's like yes, whenever you're at 300 people, you have different problems, but also the joy that you get out of, out of having a, a 300 people in your company is probably very different. Just because you you have so many more people that you get you get that satisfaction from, whereas in in the past or at least whenever you're smaller, it's just like it, it's a different pain. It's <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's a horrible pain. I think it's worse suffering. That's why you don't document anything because you're doing it all. <laughs>
1: so. You don't want to know. You don't remember
0: that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm doing it today. What are you doing? Sales, marketing, Ooh. HR, <laughs> product yeah. design, commercial modeling—all in one day. Yep. Uh, cool, brother. So, look, um, what's do you recommend any books or tools or resources for entrepreneurs to use on their journey?
1: So I. The book I would recommend is Good to Great by Jim Collins. Um, I think it's a fantastic book. It, it talks about essentially figuring out what your focus is and just doubling down on that focus and making sure that you're really good at it. And that's always been a model that I've I've looked at. Um, for those in the South, uh, we, we have Raisin Cane's mm-hmm. who started here in Louisiana. And they their focus is just on making the best chicken in the world. And a lot of people thought that they were crazy for going that path. But it, it definitely paid off in the past, or it, it, today it, it's paid off for him. And so I, I've kind of taken that as, as something that I've wanted to focus on is there are a lot of shiny objects out there. And I think focus is king is starting to really narrow down and become the best of the world at what you do. Mm-hmm. Awesome,
0: uh, and on that bombshell, Andrew, it's time to end your time in the hot seat. Appreciate you for being on the show, dude. Um, and you know, listen, you're on a mission, man. And I think the guys who are on a mission are the ones that tend to succeed more than others. Um, so you know, keep doing what you're doing, and you know, wishing you and the team all the very best for the future.
1: Awesome, thank you, Matt.
0: Anytime.